You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so this morning, I want to take you to a story. Now, remember where we are a little bit, okay? Uh, okay, it's just after Easter for us, right? <laughs> Easter was just a couple of weeks ago. That's kind of where we're preaching at. Uh, in this sermon series. It's just after Easter, okay? And so that's where we are. John chapter 21, and a little expository here this morning, but uh, we're going to read all this scripture here. It's a little story, about 12 verses, not very much, and we're going to go back and and, and talk about it, okay? So John chapter 21, beginning verse 1. Afterward, now remember this is after the, the crucifixion, after the resurrection. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. He had already appeared to them before. By, and this was by the Sea of Galilee is where it happened this way. Now Simon Peter, comma, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the, the two sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Uh, so I don't know if you counted that, but that was seven, counting Simon Peter, all of those. Some of them were named, some of them weren't named. Seven disciples were all together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So Jesus called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? Okay, I don't don't know how they would ask the question. I I don't know what would be the norm for 2,000 years ago in Galilee, okay? But the norm for us, I mean, when I see somebody fishing, you know, if I'm down at the lake, creek, whatever, you know, and I see somebody fishing, they're in a boat, you know, the norm for me would be something like, well, how are they biting today? Or, you know, how many did you catch? Or you, you got a you tank full, you got a, a stringer full? You know, th- those would be the kinds of questions I would ask, right? But look what Jesus asked. It's like, you guys ain't caught any fish today? I mean, like, it's almost like just rubbing it in, isn't it? You know, he, he said, friends, don't you have any fish? You know, it's like he already knows they don't have fish. He's not asking them. He's, he already knows they don't have any fish yet. And uh, so they answered, no. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, this is a, a miracle that Jesus is about to perform. He actually did this again early on, uh, right there with the disciples. And this was before they started following him. Okay, so he's about to do the same thing, and I think there's a reason for that. Because right now they don't know who he is. I think one of the reasons he does this exact same miracle is for them to realize who he is. And so he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, you'll find some fish. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, okay, now a couple weeks ago we talked about this also, about people who talk about themselves in third person. You know, you know they kind of, normally you'd say they're just a little full of themselves, aren't they? Well, this is John, the one who is writing, John chapter 21, okay? He's caught, and he's speaking of himself in the third person, the one whom Jesus loved. So this really does sound kind of, you know, kind of egotistical, doesn't it, right? Full of himself. So he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Okay, so now John is the first one to realize. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. This has to be the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard John say, it is the Lord, uh, Simon Peter wrapped his outer garment around him because he had taken it off to go fishing, and he jumped into the water. Now, okay. He jumped in the water, and, and he left the boat behind, and he left the fish behind. He left the nets in the water with the fish in them. And this was probably Simon Peter's boat, right? Because Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing, and so they all said, well, we'll go with you. 
So it was probably Simon Peter. He jumps out of his boat, leaves his boat, you know, out there in the water, jumps out of the boat and swims to shore and leaves it with, I mean, doesn't say anything about him saying, guys, you make sure the boat gets in. He's not concerned about the boat. He's not concerned about the fish. He's not concerned about his nets. not concerned about any of that. Uh, he jumps in and, into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore. So they didn't even pull the fish in at first. They just, they just held on to the nets. Uh, they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And then when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Okay, so he's already cooking fish, but he says, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Okay, I've, I've already done the work. Uh, you know, if you find something, let me know. This is the kind of thing pastors do, though. I see, I see 153, and I say, oh, wait a minute. That's not 150, that's not 160, 153. There's got to be some significance, right? I couldn't find any, okay? <laughs> you know, uh, there's seven of them, you know. Seven doesn't go into 153. Uh, 154, it does. There'd be 21 fish for everybody, and, you know, I could make something out of that, right? Because yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing pastors do. You know, I'm trying to think, what is the significance of the number one? I can't find one at all. Eight doesn't go into it to count Jesus. You know, eight doesn't go into it because it's an odd number. So I don't have any idea of the significance of that number other than the Bible wants us to know, God wants us to know, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> right, he wants us to know they caught a lot of fish. Now, I don't know if that's a lot of fish in a net, except for what it says right after that, but even with so many, the net was not torn. So that tells me that's a lot of fish. But I do know this. If we were fishing with rods and reels instead of nets, that would have been an awesome day of fishing, right? I mean, just 153, that would have been a fun day. So I imagine even there with the nets and with that comment right there, that even that tells me that there, that was a lot of fish. Now, remember... Five minutes ago, they had zero, <laughs> and now they've got 153. So that, that's the significance of the number as far as I could tell. And so then Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Okay, so then he invites them to sit down and have breakfast with them. Okay, so that's the story. Got the story? Kind of got the feel of it? Here's where we are. Okay, so let's back up just a little bit. How, we, how did we get here? We just had the crucifixion. Remember what happened at the crucifixion? All the disciples and Jesus' followers, they all just scattered in fear you know, not knowing what was going on, what in the world's going on. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, he shouldn't be, they shouldn't even be able to kill him. You know, it shouldn't be possible for them to arrest him and hold him and, and nail him to a cross and kill him. That shouldn't be a possible, but it happened. They saw him die. They, they run in fear. And then he, he gets up on the third day. They, he, they, they see him. He appears to them. He has risen. He has come back to life. Yet still, there's fear. There's doubt. That's what we preached about last week. If you struggle with doubt, go to the podcast and listen to last week's sermon, okay? You need to hear that one, okay? They're still struggling with doubt, but he shows himself to them. And then sometime later in the scripture we've just been reading, sometime later, Jesus appears to them again. Now, we don't know how, how long later because he was here probably about 40 more days before he ascended back to the Father. But during that time, at some point, Jesus appears to them again, and it's in the middle of this little fishing trip and everything. So why did they go fishing? Why did they go fishing? You ever ask yourself that question? You ever seen this story and say, why did they go fishing? And I know some of you fishermen are out there saying, well, duh, it's, you know, it's a fun thing to do is why they went fishing. Well, no, think about it a little deeper. First of all, Simon Peter was a fisherman by trade. That's what he did for a living before he started following Jesus all around, all the, all, all the ministry uh, efforts that they, they put in. It, 
that's what he did to, uh, you know, catch fish to sell and make money for his family and make, quite possibly they had a lot of fish at his house because he would take a lot home and they would just eat. So it was the thing he did. Uh, it, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of like his norm. And even that, even, even if it wasn't that, maybe it was just because it's what he knew and so it's what he was comfortable with. Okay, so here's the thing. What do we do when we go to the next slide? What do we do when, when, we, when we have doubts, when we have fear, when we're confused? Our default is what we know, right? I mean, when, when, when life just knocks you off your feet and you, you ain't got a clue, you don't say, hey, I think I'll go do something different now. I think I'll, I'll start something brand new. Well, some people do. Most of us don't. Most of us, like, we revert to what we know. Our default is what we are comfortable with. You know, wh wh our way, our passions, you know, things that we're passionate about, our thoughts, our thinking, the way we think about things. When we get knocked off our feet, our default is back up to a place that we, okay, I know how to function from here. That's what, that's what we do. Now, Dave and I, in, in the ministry years that we've had, we've, we've had some tough times. We've had some tough moments. We've had some tough years. And uh, there, were, there was a time, and this, this was years ago before 2911, okay, when we were in ministry somewhere else. There came a time where we said, this is it, we're done. We're, we're out of ministry. We're, we're, we still had our house in Birmingham. We were moving back to Birmingham, to our house. Dava had already found a job. I was looking for a job. My dad was CPA slash pastor working with him. I had that background, so finding a bookkeeping accounting job was not going to be an issue. You know, I, I already had the feelers out that was going to happen. And, and so, you know what we were doing? We were coming to our default. I didn't know how to do this anymore. I didn't know how, I didn't know how anymore. I had been beaten up so much. Uh, life was just killing us, and we said, we got to do something different. And we did what was comfortable. But God didn't let us do what was comfortable. We wanted to. And when God said, basically the way God worked this whole thing out, is when God said no, I cried. I honestly cried. I was just in a place, God, I've got to, I've got to take care of us. And, but that's our default. And that's, that's why you, you know, we, we don't see ourselves as selfish necessarily when we do that. But what happens is our default is to ourself. When, when we start struggling, we're not looking for somebody to minister to, Right? When we're, when we're hurting, we're not looking for somebody else that needs help. We're saying, wait a minute, I'm the person that's hurting. We're, we, were, we default back to us, to ourselves, entered, inner, inner, inside of ourselves, looking at, at what's going on inside. We default to that. That's, that's the thing that, that we get wrapped up in. Uh, all, all the, 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 like Jeff mentioned, distractions, or the distractions that happen are distractions about us. We allow all the stuff going on with us, and so we default to self. And that's why Jesus interrupted their fishing trip. Okay, now, you fishermen, y'all don't get mad at me, okay, here, because I'm not going to preach against fishing right here. I'm not going to preach against fishing today, but they, Jesus interrupted their fishing trip because they had defaulted to self. They had lost focus on the ministry that he called them to. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much there, but i just throw that one little thing there so you can kind of see where we're going a little bit, okay? So Jesus interrupts their fishing trip, and the first way he does that is with a question. And he just kind of rubs it in, right? We've already talked about that. He just rubs it in. Don't you have any fish? But listen to what he's saying. Okay, guys, you're doing it your way, and you've got zero 
You decide. You backed up. You're doing what you know is comfortable. You're doing what is comfortable for you. You're doing what you've decided to do. And what have you got? This to show for it. You got zero, guys. That's what he's doing. He's pointing out to them. Nothing's happening. You're doing it your way, and you're trying to make it look like everything's going. But it ain't going very good, is it, guys? You look over there in the fit. Oh, no, there's not any in there yet. You know, you pull up. There's not any on the stringer yet. It ain't happening, is it? You've been doing it your way, and it is not happening. Okay, so the first thing he did, the way he interrupted their fishing trip was with a question. <clears throat> That's the first thing. And then, but the second thing is, we've already read the story. You know what's about to happen. They're about to have a miracle. The second thing that's going to happen is they're going to have a miracle. Then the third thing, they're going to have another miracle. Okay, we'll talk about that one in just a few minutes, okay? And, and then, because they respond in the right way, many, many more miracles happen. Lots of good stuff. The third thing happens. The fourth thing happens. The fifth thing happens. The hundredth thing happens. But get this. You don't get to the hundredth blessing and the fifth miracle. You don't get to the second thing, which is the big miracle, until you first deal with the first thing. The question that Jesus asked, don't you have any fish? Don't you realize you don't have any fish? Are you not seeing you doing it your way and you're still empty? You got zero to show for it? You don't have any fish. So let me ask you, what question is Jesus asking you today? What is it Jesus is asking you? I, you know, I'd like to take about five minutes right here, just play a little music, let everybody just sit here and think a minute. We can't do that, but I'd like to do that. Because I'd like for you to think about what Jesus is asking you. Maybe not what he is just starting asking you right now for the very first time in your life, but what's he been asking you that you've just kind of been ignoring? Because I can imagine the disciples on this boat, when Jesus said, hey, haven't you caught any fish? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but me, I would, I would be thinking, what a jerk, <laughs> you know? Here we all been fishing all night. There he is, look at him. He ain't been fishing yet. He wants to point fingers at us because we ain't got any fish. I don't even want to talk to this guy. You know, really, that's what I'm thinking would probably be happening. You guys ain't got any fish? And they just say no. You know, <laughs> kind of tuck tail a little bit. You know, kind of no. You know, just quietly no. But they answer. They listen. They answer. And then when he tells them the next thing, they move on it. But you can't get to the second thing until you deal with the first thing. So maybe even more important than what is Jesus asking you is what are you answering? What are you saying to that? When, when Jesus is, is digging into you, what are you answering? What are you telling him? Are you telling him yes or no? Maybe. Wait. I think sometime later will be more convenient. Oh, hang on a minute. Let me back up here to a more comfortable spot. Things I know. The way I think about it. What's your answer? What is Jesus asking you? And what is your answer? That's important. Okay, the second way he interrupted, he inter interrupted their fishing trip with a miracle actually two miracles okay now the first one you've already noticed right I, I know you noticed that first one because we kind of talked about it that way uh, the, the miracle of the fish you know they went from zero to 153 in just a matter of minutes but there's another miracle when they got to the shore Jesus already had breakfast prepared where'd he get the fish oh, said he also had bread where'd he get the bread where'd he get the charcoal you know, now I've had, I've had people, I've heard people say, well, you know, it wasn't said that it was a miracle, so probably Jesus went fishing himself where they couldn't see him, and he cleaned the fish, and he, you know, and he got the fire started and all that. No, but listen, Scripture right there says Jesus was on shore, 
and they didn't recognize it was Jesus. Didn't say anything about any, didn't say anything about one of those, you know, one of those beach carts, you know, that you pull along behind you. Didn't say you had one of those. Didn't say anything about any of that. But some people say, well, because it didn't call it a miracle, then he probably stopped at 7-Eleven and we got all that stuff, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, if I'm going to use that logic, then the whole fishing miracle didn't happen either as a miracle. Because it didn't say it was a miracle, but I know a miracle when I see one, right? Here, here's, the, here's the point. Pastor, why, why are you going on and on and on about this? Here's the point. Is there are miracles happening all around us every day? You're alive. You are blessed. You have more than, than most of the people in this world. Miracles are happening every single day, and yet we're not paying attention to the miracles that are happening because we don't have some angel standing over us saying, Observe, here is a miracle. Hark, here is a miracle. But they're happening every day, and we're missing. We're not, say, we're not seeing them. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not grasping them as miracles and understanding God is doing something amazing in my life right now. Look at your life. Look around you. Look at the blessing. Look at what God is doing. Look at the opportunities. Look at your mistakes and look at all the second chances God has given you. Again and again and again and again. And today he's asking the question one more time. What question is he asking? And what's your answer? Okay, so then the third thing. He interrupts their fishing trip by saying, okay, let's have breakfast, guys. Come on and let's eat. And he says, and bring some of that fish. Some of those fish that you've caught. Bring some of that. He said, now they could have just jumped back in the boat and gone back fishing. But Jesus said, no, come on. So he interrupts their fishing trip a little bit further by saying, come on, let's have breakfast together. And bring some of that fish that you've already caught. Now, why would, why would he do that? <coughs> if Jesus is going to create a fish, a piece of bread, I don't know how much he had. It just says fish. And fish is plural in itself, so we don't know how many he had, right? He could have just gone ahead and created enough for everybody to eat, but he told them to bring some fish. You know, this is what I get out of that. Is he saying, we're together in this, guys, me and you. We're going to do this. I'm not going to do it without you, and you're not going to do it without me. I'm not going to do it without you. Bring your fish. Come on, guys. You know, you, that's the toll of your labors. You had to haul the fish up. You were bringing those nets in. <coughs> so bring what you, a little bit of what you've got, and let's join together what I can do and what you can do. Because what he's also showing them is, guys, you can't do it alone. You tried all night long. This is what you had. But just a few minutes of obedience with me, you got 153. Now let's do it together. He's, he's showing us both sides of this. Is he doesn't want you to do it alone, and, and he's not going to do it and let you just sit there and watch. He's saying, come on, guys, bring some of your fish also. He created the miracle, yet they did the labor that brought it on in. So it's both of it. That's what he's show, he showing. He's showing both of it there, both, both sides of, of the issue for us to see everything that's happening there. And then, then, then lastly, he interrupts their fishing trip, you know, because then after they ate, you know, and all that, he, he's invited them now to spend some time with him. Come on, guys. Let's have, let's have some lunch. Now, here's something interesting to me about this. He, he invites them to come and eat, and, and they, they say yes. They sit down to eat. But, you know, there was one that didn't wait on the invitation. Simon Peter, he didn't wait on the invitation. He heard it is the Lord. When he heard it was Jesus, he grabbed his coat, jumped in the water, and he swam to shore, forgetting his boat and all that. It didn't matter anymore. I want to go be with Jesus. Jesus hadn't invited him yet. But you know what Simon Peter knew? 
Simon Peter knew it was always an open invitation to spend time with Jesus. You know, the other guys, they waited until they got the invitation. Come on, guys, let's eat. And then they went over and they ate with him, but not Simon Peter. And you know what we hear, that we hear throughout this story? Okay, there's seven guys, but we hear Simon Peter's name over and over and over and over. We hear the other guys at the very beginning, that we don't even have all their names. Don't know exactly which two those last two were. Two other disciples, whoever they were. We don't even know who they are. But Simon Peter's name is mentioned again and again and again. And, and something else I'm going to show you in just a few minutes. Again and again and again, Simon Peter's name is mentioned. Why? Okay, here, here, here's, again, here's what I get out of this. One of those guys, out of the seven, got to spend more time with Jesus than anybody else. Right? Because he didn't wait on the invitation. He was very forward. He got there before the other guys got there, so he got to spend more time with Jesus than anybody. You know, here, here's, here's kind of the way I see it. It's kind of like, spiritually speaking, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Here, here's the way, you know, I, 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 like I say, David and I, we've, we've been in pastoral ministry of over 20 years and 30-something years in, in, in total ministry. And in all those years, you know, we've seen a lot of people We've seen a lot of marriages. And, you know, one of this, this is something that hit me just several years ago. Is that the people that go to the marriage small groups, the people that will show up to, like, marriage seminars and do the things that are necessary, the people that do that are not the ones with struggling marriages. They're the ones with the strongest marriages. You know why? Because they're already doing the things that are necessary. They're already investing in their marriage in those ways. They're going to marriage small groups. They're going to those things. And so the rich, the strong get stronger, and the weak get weaker. And, and, and so it's like, it's like this message today, this message that I'm preaching. And you know what? The ones who are, who are already anxious, they've already started growing, and they're growing, growing. They're going to grow some more today. And others who are like, well, that sounds good for everybody else, you, they're getting weaker and weaker and weaker today. And it's, sad. and it's sad, but you get to make the decision because the same sermon's being preached to everybody in the room today. You're going to grow stronger or are you going to grow weaker? I, I, I've got to hurry because uh, time's getting away from me. So, so, so let me get to this last thing. That was like really a lot of the meat of it. But here's, here's the whole thing is, is, is Jesus interrupted. Why did Jesus interrupt their fishing trip? Okay, it's not because fishing is bad, all right? It's not what I'm going to say this morning. I'm going I'm I'm to save myself with you fishermen in just a few moments, okay? But why did Jesus interrupt their fishing trip? Because, as I said a little earlier, because they had lost focus of ministry. He called them to follow after him, and they had lost the focus of that. And so you know what Jesus did right after? He interrupted their fishing, and the, he uh, fed them breakfast. You know what he did then? Is he, he sent Simon Peter back in the ministry he said now you need to get back in the ministry Simon Peter now, and, and he does this we didn't read that part of the story but but it's actually there on the connect page if you go there the whole thing is there even the, this last part of the story where he sends Simon Peter back into ministry he commissions him and listen if you doubt at all that Simon Peter uh, responded if you doubt at all that Simon Peter didn't respond with a wholehearted yes I dare you to go read the last half of Acts chapter 1 and see the spiritual leadership that, that, that Simon Peter took upon himself to lead the disciples to follow, to follow what Christ was now about to do. But to, this is the reason Jesus interrupted their fishing trip, because he wanted to point Simon Peter back to ministry, and all of them back to ministry, but specifically Simon Peter as a leader to lead them all back to ministry because for these four reasons right here. 
Because number one, God's presence isn't just for us. It's not, when, when, when we get in God's presence, like when you, we just feel his presence come over us in a service, what do you do with that? It's like, oh, this is wonderful, this is so wonderful, and then we, we just kind of hold it in and go, right? No, 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 God's presence isn't just for us. Go take it to somebody. There's somebody else that needs the presence of God in their life. He's not supposed to just be in this room. He's supposed to be in you. And so God sends us back to ministry. He, you know, with whatever's distracted us and gotten, gotten us off target, God sends us back to ministry because, of, uh, because there's somebody else that needs that presence as well. Number two, the miracles aren't meant, or, or, I'm sorry, the, miracle, the miracles are meant to continue. That wasn't supposed to be the last miracle. Imagine if Simon Peter had, had not listened to Jesus. Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 when the church was birthed. Man, I, I just don't know how this thing would look without Simon Peter's leadership and how God used him in those two chapters. That was really important. But he listened. I mean, could it be that the last two, last two miracles actually happened on that beach? If Simon Peter hadn't said, yes, God, whatever you call me to do. But because he did, now we see miracles continued. These were not meant to be the last two miracles. And, and in the same way, when you get a miracle, you receive something, it's not supposed to be the end of it. You know, like uh, Wayne Newman, I, 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 just, I just keep talking about him. T seven months ago when he was about to have uh, brain surgery for a tumor, I went in to see him before the surgery, and, and the faith that he had, man, he, he, he was speaking more faith laying there, knowing he had a tumor, not knowing if it was malignant or not, not knowing if he was going to come out of the surgery alive, or come out of the surgery even able to talk, and just with the faith that he had laying there, more faith he had laying there facing all that than I have on a Sunday morning, I think, standing up here preaching. You know, I, I want that kind of faith. You know what? When you get a miracle, that's the story somebody needs to hear. People need to hear your story. The, the miracles aren't supposed to end with me. This is where they begin. So when something awesome happens in my life, that's not the end, but that, that's what we do a little bit, isn't it? So we say, oh, this is wonderful. We just kind of take it in. Or like his provision. His provisions are meant to be shared. Not just, you know, it's kind of, kind of like, um, use this before, I've used this before. It's been a long time. But you know what happens when you eat all the grain, right? You know, when, when you have a harvest and you eat all the grain, there can be no more harvest because there's nothing left to sow. There's nothing left to plant. There's nothing left to put back into, into the effort of building. And, but I think that's what so many of us do. If I were to ask, now I know, now that I've preached this message, it would really color everybody's answer if I were to ask this question now. But if I had asked this, if I had asked this question before the sermon started, if I had said, you get a million dollars this week, what are you going to do with it? Come on, how many of us... There's probably not a Miss America pageant contestant in this room that would say, oh, I would give it all to make sure we had world peace, right? Probably not any of us, right, like that. I mean, what, what, come on, what would you be saying if you hadn't just heard this sermon? You know, what would you really say if you're being truthful? If you hadn't heard this sermon and you weren't thinking about some of these things, what would you say if I had said before service began, before I got into this message, a million dollars, what do you do with it? How many of y'all would buy bass boats? We've been talking about fit, right? There you go. I mean, come on, let's be honest. We'll be thinking about bass boats and, you know, and uh, I'd, I'd like a new, you know, I'd like a gator. I saw some of those out here last week, you know, that were left over. I'd like one of those, you know. I, I got a list of stuff, right, don't we? Because that's what we think. We get a blessing, and what do we think? Oh, thank God I got a blessing. 
And we forget when, when, when David talked about my cup running over, why would God give you more than you can hold? Because somebody else needs some. And when that runs over, that means people around you are receiving what is running over that is too much for you to hold. My cup runs over. So his provisions are meant to be shared. Don't just take them in and say, oh, isn't this wonderful? Look how blessed I am. No, it's for you to share. I dare you, the next time you get a blessing, unexpected financial blessing, I dare you, Holy Spirit, bring this to their remembrance when it happens. I dare you to think, now who can I bless out of this? I'm not saying you've got to give all of it away. Some of you might. I dare you to think, where can I be a blessing with this? Because I, wasn't, I don't have to pay a bill with this because this wasn't supposed to come. I dare you to do that. And the last thing, real quick, was that Jesus' words are too awesome to keep to ourselves. You know, when, when you're reading the Bible and something just leaps off the page and you say, wow, I never, I never saw that before. Or, or, or when you're sitting listening to a sermon or, or even a song, either here or, or driving down the road, you know, in your car or whatever, and you hear a song and, and, and God speaks something to you and it's like, wow, that is awesome. If it's all, come on, if it's really, really awesome, then it's too awesome to keep to yourself. Share it. Come on, tell somebody about that instead of showing us everything that you've eaten for the last 24 hours, you know, on Facebook, right? Come on, tell us something we need to know. Tell us something that will help us. Tell us something that will encourage us. Come on, share some of that. God's words are too awesome to keep to ourselves. You know, I, let, me, let me try to fix this with the fishermen real quick, okay, before I really close this out right here, okay? Because... Jesus wasn't condemning fishing, okay? That's not what he was doing, all right? But he didn't condemn fishing, but he was reminding Simon Peter there were more important things that he needed to get back to. Fishing's all right. Whatever your hobby is is all right. Taking care of business is all right. But Jesus was reminding Simon Peter, you've got more important things to do than just fish, there, boy. Don't stay here and fish all day. Don't stay here and fish the rest of your lifetime. You have more important things to do. You got to get back to what's important and he did and 3,000 people got saved after his first sermon he preached just a few days later because he got back to ministry that's what he's calling us to so let me tell you let me tell you this here, here's here's what we know we know this because we've watched this we know this because we've it's like it's been tested, even though we didn't know we're going to do this and to test it this way. We didn't know that's what we were doing. We were doing things, and now we're, we're looking at the results. We're seeing it. We know this. We know this as a ministry couple. We know this as a church. Our church leadership knows this. Is that for you to be fulfilled, there are three things you need to do. Okay? Now, okay, I've talked about these years that Dave and I have been in ministry. She started when she was two years old. Okay, so that's why she's so young. All, right. all these years in ministry that we've had, we've, we've pastored a lot of amazing people. And then we have also pastored just some absolute sour pussies of people that we said, God, could you not just bless another church with them just for today? Give me a break today. Let them have a niece or a nephew being baptized somewhere else and bless some other church for them today. Because I know I'm going to preach this message, pour my heart out, and as soon as I step off the platform, they're going to have this, all this other stuff. You know, all this other junk and 
crap. I'm not supposed to say crap from the stage. I'm sorry. Uh, I was told that a long time ago, and I tried not to. I've been trying to break the habit. Uh, but all this stuff that's just thrown. God, please bless somebody else with them today, right? I, maybe you don't know what we're talking about here. You know, it, maybe you've never experienced that, but, but we've experienced that. And let me tell you this. Not every single one of them, but the greatest common denominator with most of them is this. They were not serving in the way they were gifted to serve Jesus Christ. Some of them were serving in a different place. And they were, they were sour. They had grown sour because they were doing stuff instead of what they were called to do. And some of them, not serving at all. They're just sitting. You know what happens when you sit? You spectate. You watch. And when you watch, what do you do? Come on. You football fans and baseball fans and every other kind of fan out there, what do you do when you watch? You know how the coach should have done it, right? You know which way that boy should have run the ball. You know how, and that's what you do when you watch, when you spectate, is you, got, you say, oh, they should have done it that way. If I'd have been doing it, I'd have done it that way. Well, then get up and do it. Oh, God, help me not go there too far, too far and too long. I'll be in trouble, right? Get up and do it. God didn't call any of us to spectate. He called us, get back in the game, Simon Peter. Okay, this fishing's all right for a minute, but you've got to get back to the ministry that God has called you to. Okay, so you've got three things you've got to do if you're going to be fulfilled. At John, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, where, where, where God says, I know I have plans for you, and I know these plans. And these plans are, are, are good. They're not evil. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. You want to get there? You want to get there to the, the plan, the dream that God has for you? Here are three things you're going to have to do. If you, don't, if you don't do these three things, you'll never get there, okay? And the first one is you've got to connect. I know it's up there on the screen, so you're already ahead of me, okay? But back up with me there to connect for just a moment because some of y'all are saying, well, I'm connecting to Jesus. No, you've got to connect to other people too. Well, I'm just not a people person. Well, get over it. You're a child of God. You've got to be a people person now. You're part of the family. You've got to be a people person. You've got to, and some of you are going to be better people, pers- people than other people are, but, you know, just be the best people person you can be, okay? Because that's, that's where we are. Think, I, know, I know what some people say, well, me and Jesus, that's enough. That's enough for us to have a miracle. Right, right, 153 fish were caught, but it took more than one disciple to get those fish to land. It took more than one disciple to get 153 fish out of the net, into the boat, up on the land. It took more than that to get it done, and it's going to take that for you. Secondly, is serve. You see, because if you don't serve, what you're going to do is you're going to sit and you're going to spectate. You're going to look around, you're going to point fingers. And uh, if that's all you want to do, I've got a great church for you somewhere. I'm, I'm joking, okay? <laughs> if, you, if you're just going to sit and observe and spectate, you're going to grow sour sitting there doing nothing for Jesus Christ. So I'm going to tell you three things real quick that you can do at 2911. Number one is um, I'll summer serve. There's a meeting on, on, on uh, May 19th at 4 p.m. You need to put that on your calendar right now. The summer serve. That, and this, this, is a, this is an open meeting. It's not, it's not for just leaders. It's not a staff meeting. This is a, this is a meeting for all about planning for our summer of serve. We want you there. Some of you need to say, I want to be there. And you, some of you need to be, and, and you need to be thinking about, I, I need to be doing this. I need to lead a summer of serve project this, this summer. You need to be at that meeting. And secondly is uh, small groups and uh, doing everything we can to make it as easy as possible. And here's how we're doing it this, this, this semester. It's an online meeting. If you're, you're even thinking about leading a small group, I think that's a Tuesday night at uh, 8 p.m. on May 14th, is all you got to be doing is sit in front of your computer just to receive the training, cause, and that's all it takes to start becoming. And, and you may say, well, I don't know if I want to. 
just be there. You can, you can wear your house shoes. We don't care because we're not going to see your feet anyway, right? You know, and just, just be part of, the, part of the online training right there. And then also the dream team. Everybody, we, we say this around here all the time, everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. Everyone. Everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. You need to be doing it. And, and listen, we, we don't want you serving where you're not gifted, where you're not passionate, where you're not enjoying it. You know, the way I like to say it, jokingly, I guess, and sometimes not, is if you're not gifted to work with kids, we don't want you anywhere near our nursery. Right? We want you to work where you're gifted. So we don't want you to serve where we need you to serve. We want you to serve. I mean, when you go to the growth track, if you've not been yet, go to the growth track. And you'll find out there, what we do is we ask you what's God laid on your heart for you to do because we want to help you do what God's called you to do. And if you're saying, but I don't know what that is yet. Okay, next Sunday, 7.30 a.m., come and help the guys and ladies unload the trailers. Or, or hang around after second service and go help the kids pack up their stuff and load it on a trailer. Or, or, or volunteer to be a, be a greeter at the door or out in the parking lot or, or, or give Beverly and David Joyner and Alina, give them a, a week off from driving the golf cart or something, whatever. There, there, there are plenty of things to do until you figure out what it is you're, do, you're supposed to be and you're called to do so that you're not just sitting and spectating because you're never going to be fulfilled doing that. And the, and the last thing is owning your growth. You have, last, week, last week I said, you know, I wish I could believe for you because some of you aren't believing big enough. I also wish I could grow for you because I'd like to see you guys growing more. I can't, though. You have, to, you have to own your own growth. You have to read the Bible. You have to talk to God. And you have to write those things down on your calendar to say, you know what, I, I need to just go and just see what Summer of Serve really is going to be about this year. And maybe I've got some input and maybe I can lead a group. Or, or lead a project or, or and you need to write that other down and say you know what I, I've not led a small group yet and it's it's probably time for me to consider that and you can sit there and watch the, the training without signing up you don't have to sign but you need to at least take that step say let me see if this is something that God is speaking into my life and just jump in there you've got to own your growth in all those areas of the things that you need to be doing you have to do that and if you don't do that if you don't do that if you don't do these things you will never feel fulfilled. You will never find the dream that God has for your life because his dream includes that. That's where you find it. Those are the things that have to happen in your life for you to have the dream happen in your life. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.